Ladies and gentlemen, federal employees, welcome to this episode. Today is on Medicare and FEHB. And I get some versions of these, this question every single day from federal employees just like you trying to figure out what the best options are for them. Now, if you're new here, welcome. It is so good to have you. My name is Darren Haas, I'm a financial planner who helps federal employees just like you maximize their benefits and retire confident. So again, today is on FEHB and Medicare. And do you need both of them? What options make the most sense for you? Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to set the, the landscape. I'm going to show you some of the main options and the, some of the things you need to consider and then walk you through some of the most popular choices that people actually make. Because I've seen a lot of people go through this and see what works and what doesn't. Okay. So number one, there's a few things we have to understand. So as a federal employee, you probably understand FEHB pretty well. You know, every year you have an open season, you could change your plan. There's different options, right? You, you understand that pretty well. Now, when it comes to Medicare, people often can get really, really confused. So there's one clarification we have to make. People often get Medicare and Medicaid confused, and they are radically different programs. They're completely different. So we have to remember Medicaid is for those in poverty. Okay, and if, for people in poverty, Medicaid often kicks in and comes into play. So ideally, you never have to worry about Medicaid. Okay, what you want to worry about is Medicare. Medicare is a system that you've actually been been paying into for your entire career. There's a percentage of your pay that comes out every single paycheck to fund the Medicare system. And because you've been paying for it for the, your entire career, at age 65, you can actually get Medicare Part A free of charge most of the time, assuming you've been in the system um, your entire life, okay? You get Medicare Part A without any cost at all. There's no premiums for you um, as a federal employee the vast majority of the time. So that's the good news, okay? Now, when it comes to Medicare, it can be a true alphabet soup of Medicare A, B, C, D, plus supplements, advantage plans. It can get very, very confusing. But let me break it down and show you the most important elements, okay? So for you as a federal employee, the vast majority of the time, the only two parts of Medicare that you need to worry about at all are Medicare A and Medicare B, okay? That's it. When you approach 65, you're going to get bombarded from mailers and all kinds of things selling you everything from supplement plans to advantage plans to whatever. And you want to ignore all of them except for Medicare A and Medicare B in, in most of the time, most of the time. Now, like I said previously, Medicare A is completely free for you. You've been paying into the system. So once you get close to 65, there is only one situation where you probably just don't want to, you, you probably just want to get on Medicare Part A, even if you're still working there's generally not any downsides to doing that. Now, the one situation where you don't want to get on Medicare Part A if you're still working is if you have a high deductible plan and you're currently putting money into an HSA. If that's the case, once you get on Medicare, you are no longer allowed to put new money into an HSA. So if you want to still be able to use your HSA or not use it, but put new money in, then you may want to wait to get on Medicare Part A until you retire. So food for thought. But barring that, let's say you're retired at 65, then yeah, you want to get a Medicare Part A, almost a no-brainer. Let's say you're still working at 65. As long as you don't have an HSA, then again, it's probably a no-brainer getting on Medicare Part A as well, okay? So whether you're working, retired, whatever, Medicare Part A makes a ton of sense. Now, Medicare Part B, this one gets a little more hairy. I'm going to talk you through some of the biggest things to consider. So the reason it's hairier is because it costs money. It's not free, right? They don't give it to you for free. Basically, there's a premium, which around 2023 is about $170 a month per person 
Okay, now, and that price does go up with your income. If your income, um, I, I don't have the chart in front of me, but if your income as a married couple is more than about 175,000, then it does go up, right? So if you plan to have that much income in retirement, more than 175,000, then you wanna look at the Medicare premium charts to see kind of roughly what it's gonna be like for you. But assuming your income isn't that high in retirement, then about $170 per month per person. So if you're married, right, that's 300 some dollars um, per month per person. Above and beyond, let's say you keep your FEHB, then you pay that as well, okay? Now, this is how Medicare Part B works. Long story short, you don't have to take Medicare Part B. There's no requirement to, unless you're on TRICARE. If you are on TRICARE, TRICARE does tend to require you to be on Medicare Part B, so food for thought. So barring that, you don't have to, though. Now, here are the most common options and choices people make. Now, actually, before I do that, let me, let me clarify one thing on Medicare Part B. Medicare Part B, again, at as early as 65, you can get on Medicare Part B. However, because it's not free, most federal employees who are still working at 65 choose to not enroll in Medicare Part B, and at least until they retire. Now, the reason behind all this is because first, Medicare Part B costs money, but there's also a Medicare Part B clock. Now, this clock, basically, this is how it works. Is let's say, let's do an example. Let's say you are retired, okay? You retire, let's say at 60, you're approaching 65 now, and um, you're deciding on what to do with Medicare. Well, if you get on Medicare A right away, but you decide not to get on Medicare Part B, a clock starts running. The government says, okay, you don't have to get on Part B, no problem, but for every year that you could have been on Part B, so at 65, um, for every year you delay, and let's say you want Medicare Part B later, we're gonna add a 10% penalty for every single year that you delay. Okay, so let's do an example. Let's say again, you are eligible to start Medicare Part B at 65. Well, let's say you wait till 70. Well, at 70, your premiums are gonna be 50% higher because that's 10% per year, and that was five years from 65 to 70. Your premiums are gonna be 50% higher because you waited. You waited to make that decision. Now, that's why many people hop into Medicare Part B as soon as they're eligible. Now, the couple exceptions to that, that 10% penalty rule that happens is if you're still working, the clock does not start until you retire. Or if your spouse is still working and you're on, under their plan, then the clock doesn't start until they retire. So, for example, let's say your spouse is 60 and you're 65. As long as you're under their plan, you're covered under your spouse's plan who is still working, you don't have to enroll in Medicare Part B. The, the clock doesn't start until they retire. So let's say they retire at 65, you're now 70, then at 70 you could enroll without any penalty. Okay, so that's how the penalty works. So long story short, whatever you want to do with Part B, you probably want to make the decision as soon as you're eligible. You don't want to um, just not enroll at all and not face this decision until later and then maybe face some penalties because you didn't make a decision up front, okay? So that's kind of the background on Medicare and the things like that. Now, what are the most common options? Some people, when they retire, they decide to only keep FEHB and not enroll in Medicare. Now, that is 100% an option. Some people love whatever FEHB plan they're on. They get a good comprehensive plan that they're happy with, that they're good with, and, and that's what they do. Now, there's, there's some um, advantages where you know what it's gonna cost, right? And you're used to it and there's no changes. Now, in retirement, you tend to have as much medical expenses as you're going to have, it's gonna probably happen in retirement. So you wanna make sure you have a plan that is going to cover you despite all of that, okay? That's number one. 
Number two, the next option that is super, super common. Well, um, let, me, let me take that back. Let's start with a different option. The next option that is actually pretty rare, and I, I don't see it very often at all, is some people drop FEHB and they get on Medicare AB plus a supplement plan. Okay, so for just to give you some context, if you're a non-federal employee, that's what most non-federal employees do, is they get Medicare A, B, and then sort of supplement a supplement plan, advantage plan, something to supplement Medicare so they have some additional coverage because Medicare A and B by themselves generally aren't enough to be a good plan, okay? So some people do that. Again, it's rare because most people like FEHB and the government still subsidizes a huge part of it for you, even in retirement. And so most people want to keep FEHB at least to some degree. So that's option number two. Option number three, which is probably one of the most common now, I, I, I don't know what all federal employees do. I just know, especially when, when I'm working with federal employees, kind of the, the direction most people go. And this is it. What most people do is they get on Medicare A, and B, and they keep FEHB. Now, often what they decide to do is they tend to get on an FEHB plan that is designed specifically to merge with Medicare, okay, to merge and to work well together. Some plans are designed well to do that. Some plans are designed not so good to do, to do that, okay? Now, if you find a plan that merges well with Medicare, it's going to do a couple things. First, the premiums are going to be relatively small. They're going to be smaller, which is nice. Number two, they will often offer you a reimbursement for a good chunk of the Medicare Part premiums that you pay. So first, the premiums are going to be smaller for those types of plans. And they like you being on Medicare A and B because it becomes primary. Medicare becomes primary. They love that. They're going to reimburse you a piece of that um, to incentivize you to be on their plan. right? And so that is a very common situation. Now, if you pick a FEHB plan that's not designed to merge with Medicare, then it's not going to pay you anything. The premiums are probably still going to be high. So you want to make sure that it all works for you. Find a plan that merges and it still covers everything you need it to. So that is an overview. FEHB, Medicare, how it works, the things to think about, and the most popular options. Now, if you have any follow-up questions on that, put them in the comments below. We'll do our best to craft future content based on your questions, your concerns. I hope that's helpful. If this serves you, consider subscribing. Join the community. It is great to, great to have you. And uh, you guys have a great rest of your day.